The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, I'm sure everybody's getting jacked up for UFC 264 tomorrow night in Vegas after the Conor McGregor PR show rolled through our television sets this week where all they ever do is show Conor McGregor, the guy that's won one fight in the last five years, talking big about how much of a badass he is, how Habib Nurmagomedov's a loser and has never done anything in the UFC and has no history at all, except, you know, that little taste of history of him beating Conor McGregor's ass, or that now he's going to take the, uh, you know, carcass out of the cage tomorrow night against Dustin Poirier. And, I mean, this guy, what a pain in the ass this guy is. Honest to God, I can't stand him. I know Carver High loves him. Listen, I'm Irish too, but Carver High, he'd root for dead Irishmen fighting. But here's the deal. I hope this guy gets his head taken off, literally, again, by uh, Dustin Boyer. Mafia is here to break it all down. Let's see what you got going for all your picks. I know they're going to be on Twitter and on ForAllOnTheBench.com for tomorrow night's big card in Vegas. Yes, got everyone's getting up, you know, hyped up for McGregor Poirier 3. Everyone's talking about McGregor back to, you know, Mystic Mac and back to talking his trash. I'm not buying it. And you know who else isn't buying it? Dustin Poirier. This is McGregor trying to do what he did in the first fight and goad Poirier into the fight he wants. The same thing he says, oh, well, you know, if you're going to go for the takedowns, you're a wuss, you know, and now, oh, well, I'm going to knock your head off. I'm going to punch through your head. It's not going to get to Poirier. It's not going to bother him. He's going to do the same thing in the second fight, in the third fight now. What he did in the second fight, he even says, like, it doesn't matter if it's calf kicks, if it's takedowns, I'm a better fighter. This guy isn't a god. He's just a man. I'm going to kick his ass, and I'm rolling with that, too. I'm going Poirier, minus 126 to beat McGregor. I think it's going to end by KOTKO one way or another, minus 240. And I'm going to take a chance on Poirier, KOTKO, at plus 200. And you know what? If you want to sprinkle a little here, take a little chance of making some bigger odds, I'm going to go Poirier in round three at plus 1,000 or in round four at plus 1,900 because you get some big returns on those if he beats him any which way in one of those two rounds. Then you have as the co-main event, Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This is big for the welterweight division, number two, number four. I'm going to go with your boy Wonderboy Thompson. This I know Burns had a nice win streak before that Usman loss, but his biggest wins were against washed-up fighters in Woodley and Maya. Thompson fought Woodley when he was at his best and beat him one of those. He split those fights. He showed that he could still be at the top level. He's got some nice wins over some big names still, you know, even though he's a little older at this point in his career. The four-inch reach and the karate style is going to keep him more away from Burns, make it harder to hit. 
I think that's going to keep, you know, Thompson on the outside, scoring those points like he likes to do. I'm going to take him to win at minus 166. And I also think it's going to win whoever wins. It's going to be by points at minus 145. If you want to get a little bit better odds, you go Thompson by points at plus 150. You got the heavyweights with Ty Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Neither of these guys are that impressive to me in the heavyweight division. You know, they're not even ranked. I don't even care who wins for the most part, although I'm always going to root against Greg Hardy. So I'll go with Ty Tuivasa minus 142. But the real big bet I'm making on that one isn't necessarily who's going to win, but that's going to go by KOTKO minus 165 because both these guys win that way. 6 of 7 for Hardy, 10 of 11 for Tuivasa by KOTKO. So that's the big bet I'm making on that one. And then just to finish up the main card, you got Irina Adana versus Yana Kuninskaya, the bantamweight division. These two fighters are up in that in that division. They're four and five in that. It's an important fight for them to be, you know, possible title contenders. Aldana just got beat up by Holly Holmes. She was on nice fights before that. He's won five of seven. Got you know shown the door by Holmes and beaten down by a top level opponent. So now she's got to go back to the drawing board, figure things out. She's coming in against the Russian Kuniskaya, who's won four of five, and she loves the Muay Thai clinch. She loves to get tight. But that's not going to work so well against Aldana because she's, you know, a nice long fighter. She likes to keep people at bay with those jabs, kind of a boxing style. And she has 93% takedown defense. So I think she's going to keep it on the feet. I think she's going to try to keep her apart. Now, she came in overweight, which is a little surprising, a little, you know, worrisome to me. But I'm still going to roll with her minus 126. And we take her to win by points at plus 150. And, you know, they think this is going points no matter who wins. If FanDuel has it at minus over minus 300 for ending in points or it ending by, KO, by you know, going the distance and the over four and a, three and a half on the rounds, two and a half, sorry, because it's a three-round fight. So all that to them is going the distance. So the points is the way to play it. And then, of course, you got Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's just getting one thrown to him so he can get a win here. He had plenty of guys that were good fighters that wanted to fight him when Smoker pulled out. Instead, they gave him a newbie, as you can see, minus 1,000. So... He's just going to win this one. Not worth betting it unless you put it in a parlay, which FanDuel has. They got the parlay insurance. If you bet five legs, one falls off, and you win four out of the five, you still get your money back. So watch out for that this weekend. Uh, we welcome our radio affiliate, SiriusXM, Mighty or 1090, Sports Map, Sports Byline, Armed Forces Radio. Let's play Conor McGregor bragging how he's going to kill everyone. Here we go. Here's McGregor. going to go through his head, yeah, put yeah. holes in them, and take it off its shoulders. That's the goal here. He's done here. This is it for him. This is the end of the road. Even after that last fight, oh, I don't love this anymore. I don't love doing this. He knew what was coming. He knew the smacks he took. So it's on now. Saturday night, he's getting walked around that octagon like a dog and put to sleep. This guy's so delusional. Every time he fights, he gets his ass beat. And then he talks about how he kicks everyone's ass. And he makes everyone a mockery. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's like the funniest thing. Can we play Poirier? Uh, let's get Dustin uh, on here. Let's listen to Diamond. For me, the aura's not, not there anymore. Very dangerous fighter sitting right here for sure, no doubt. But I see a man, you know, you guys in the crowd. Cheer it up, have fun. But I see a man here in front of me that I've I defeated, and I know I can defeat again. He beat his ass. <laughs> this guy's talking like he's going to kill him. Anything's possible. I don't deny McGregor can knock somebody out. He's done it many times. Uh, but like I said, he's won once in the last five years, and he's still bragging how he's the greatest fighter in the UFC. And the stuff he said about Nagomedev uh, is so ridiculous, and it's insulting. After what Nurmagomedov did to him, I mean, he literally dragged him like a rag doll out of the thing. Uh, McGregor's so full of Shaq. I'm sick of his act. I really am. He and Dana White should be lovers. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So I didn't have time to uh, talk Mavi about uh, Tyson Fury and his camp and all of these guys, at least three of them, and Fury coming down with COVID and they've canceled that fight or postponed it at least till it looks like October. So it's not happening July 24th. Dr. Shivago joins us now. Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc on Twitter and Sports Grids Insider and everything doctor related, medicine, injuries, you name it. All right, uh, Dr. Chow, uh, let me start with Fury. What did you think when you heard that he failed uh, the COVID test and, and guys in his camp as well and that they postponed this fight? This isn't good at all. This fight was about to happen July 24th in Vegas at the T-Mobile, and it was sold out. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, we'd like to think we're on the tail end of all this, but it still bites us, right? COVID, Delta variant, all these different things. And, you know, the hope is the fight can get rescheduled uh, fairly quickly. But, you know, boxers go on the very strict training regimen, as you know, and then this sort of throws them off. And hopefully uh, he's minimally symptomatic and no real uh, effects on his, uh, you know, wind, so to speak. And it can get rescheduled fully, uh, fairly soon. But everyone that gets that, it affects their wind for the most part and their breathing and their chest. And uh, it makes people, uh, I mean, I had it. It's brutal what it does to you. And if you're, I mean, obviously, I'm not acting like he's some kind of chiseled athlete either. He's a 300-pound fat ass, if you ask me. I don't think he's in shape. I think Wilder's in shape. I think the other guy just throws bombs uh, long. I think he's fat, big, long and can jab and punch and hurt you. But I've never considered him like some stellar athlete. What do you think that COVID's going to do to his 300-pound body? Well, you know, you really don't know because COVID affects people differently in different ways. Some people are minimally, if at all, symptomatic. And some people are really knocked on their butts. And obviously we've had, you know, uh, lots of deaths in, uh, in certain populations as well. Don't expect that to happen here, you know, in any shape or form. He's still a, a high-level athlete, even though he's got a different covering on his body, so to speak. But underneath, he's still a high-level athlete. Uh, you can't predict how it will affect people, hopefully very minimally so. I have to tell you, uh, it's amazing to me with the Delta variant and with just, in essence, the COVID in general, uh, whatever variants are out there. It is truly amazing to me that in middle America, frankly, and in a lot of states, uh, in the deep south, in places like, you know, Mississippi, Kentucky, wherever, they just haven't gotten these vaccines. And then you're seeing just massive spikes again in COVID, massive hospitalizations, massive ICUs, massive, uh, you know, breathing, having tubes shoved down people's throats, people on deathbeds. And how stupid people are 
not to get this vaccine. I don't want to hear about this anti-vax nonsense, Doc. Honest to Christ, how many people have to die before you realize that the people that aren't getting sick are the ones with the vaccine? You know, I mean, look, I think it is an individual decision what you put in your body. I've been vaccinated. I think it makes sense for me to be vaccinated. And uh, look, I just hope anyone out there that uh, is making a decision one way or the other is making it based on an informed basis on unreal knowledge and real medical facts, as opposed to, you know, anecdotal worries and other things. So as long as someone like is considering it and considering it in a thoughtful way, I, I have to respect their opinions. You know, look, a large part of the NFL still is not vaccinated. I think what's what five teams have reached the 85 percent threshold. And I still predict that the NFL is going to get there by uh, what I call the vaccine carrot. Uh, giving different freedoms for teams that get to 85%. Look, the Cole Beasley's of the world are not going to be vaccinated. But at 85% of 53 players, you can have a couple of Cole Beasley's not vaccinated, a handful of Cole Beasley's, really seven Cole Beasley's not vaccinated and still reach the threshold. I think by week one, at least in the NFL, you'll actually see the vast majority of teams reach that 85% threshold uh, in terms of what's happening. Well, uh, let's hope so, because I think the ones that don't do it uh, are stupid. And all these people being defiant, I get it. No one's touching me. That's great. And then you're going to get sick and we'll see how funny it is. What do you think of uh, college football teams? Do you think that these universities with as much money as on the line in what they're doing, that they're going to force those kids to get shots? Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, the government or uh, the drug companies can uh, do name and likeness uh, deals with the college players, right? And, and then uh, get them all to be vaccinated. Who knows? Look, here's the thing. I think it's fair to discuss this. And, and uh, I can see both sides of the coin. Uh, look, I've got kids that are eight, eight and four. And, um, you know, if the vaccine were available to them, I don't know right now that I would give it to them only because it hasn't been shown that kids get very sick or get COVID very often at all. And so you have to weigh both sides of it. Look, my mom, like I couldn't wait. I couldn't get her the vaccine quick enough. Right. And uh, that's just a smart thing to do. But my four-year-old and eight-year-old, I got to see a little bit of the data. I can see where a college student says, look, I'm young, I'm I'm 19, I'm 20, and and, and the COVID has not affected that population tremendously and people making decisions. But it has. I think in the end, yeah. It it, it has. has, College students. It has. COVID has definitely spread through college campuses. My uh, 19-year-old daughter, at South Carolina, I mean, it's like 75% of the campus has had COVID. Right. Um, in, in, I mean, because they were in school and on campus and it is spread through there. But fortunately, uh, anecdotally, uh, she has not reported any of her friends being hospitalized or otherwise. So there's a difference between having COVID and, and, and uh, having serious effects from COVID. And fortunately, young and healthy people have seemed to be more resilient of the disease in general. But of course, there are always specific circumstances.
What did you think of that goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets that got impaled with a firecracker and died? That is just insanity. Oh, uh, you know, look, that clearly was a little more than a than a sparkler, right? I mean, that was basically a weapon, right? I mean, whatever that was, that was amazing, and that's just so, 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 so sad. Um, you know, a, a, a fireworks accident like that. I mean, look, uh, it pales. You know, it puts the whole JPP story where where now he's won a Super Bowl and and you know lost part of his hand makes it look like a, a hangnail nothing right i mean it's just tragic i don't know the circumstances but any way you look at it it's just tragic i don't know if he was an innocent bystander i, I don't know if he was involved in lighting it and something went wrong i have no idea but you know here's a young athlete who has passed away from uh, really a, a, a senseless reason and so it is absolutely tragic I'm, I'm under the impression that he was in some hot tub, and when he was getting up, this thing shot across and hit him in the chest, and that was it, and he, he died, and they're you know, obviously calling it an accident and everything else, but I don't think he was the one lighting it. I, I think it shot across and hit him in the chest, and it was like a mortar. Uh, let me ask you about Giannis's knee. Are you surprised after seeing him hyperextend that left knee that he's been able to play in games one and two? And last night, the guy went off. You would have never thought he had any knee problem. Here's where I was surprised based on my initial analysis and based on what I learned since I'm not as surprised. When he first went down, I was tweeting, writing, and saying that, look, he didn't tear his ACL, fingers crossed. He's not going to need surgery. He's not going to be out for a year. But based on the timing of the playoffs, I knew he would not be back for the current series. Uh, uh, but I figured that he would probably be out for the NBA Finals as well. He has beaten that timeline. And here is why. He's actually done that before. In 2020, hyperextended that same knee. So when you sprain your ankle... And it's the second time, I gotta run, and you're doc, just turning it, not tearing so ligaments. Sorry to cut you off like it's that, quicker. Doc. I'm sorry. Have a great weekend. I apologize. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Always love on Forellavision Picking Fridays to bust a cap in your ass. It's Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider on SportsGrid. Back again. You can check him out every Tuesday and Friday on Coast to Coast and on many of the shows along the network uh, during the week. All right, Adam, uh, let's talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes, everybody's favorite entree. He says he's ready to go. No toe jam problems after his toe surgery. Yeah, so you and I talked earlier in the week about the great charity work he's doing, but let's move forward here now and talk about the off-season toe surgery. Off-season toe surgery. Now, you remember in the Super Bowl, he didn't quite look like himself. It wasn't just the offensive line, and we'll get to that. It was because of that injured toe, and he clearly was just a little bit off. So now when you really look at it going forward here, he had the surgery after the season, after the season completed. 
He did really good rehab work. And he, I don't know if it was a shock, but it was a little bit surprising. He did as much work as he did in their OTA program. And uh, he's he's now playing golf at the American Century Celebrity Golf Tournament in, in Tahoe, as we see a lot of coaches and, uh, and players, do, particularly quarterbacks, do every year. And he was interviewed by NFL Network earlier this week, and he talked about, quote, the Toad's feeling great. I'm out here playing golf. I'm able to walk around the course. I've been running, cutting, jumping, and throwing, doing it all. So I'm just excited to get back to training camp and have another chance to make a run at it and win a Super Bowl this year. So, unquote. Look, he's healthy now. He clearly wasn't quite right in the playoffs. I think after that toe injury, there's something wrong. He got that fixed. It's corrected. I love that he got in their OTA program. That's a good thing. Now, he's going to have, at a minimum, of four offensive line changes. Orlando Brown in the, in the trade with the Ravens. Remember how bad their offensive line was. They were decimated by injury. Not a lot of talent. They made the big trade, as we know, with the Ravens. Joe Tooney, they paid him an enormous price to be their left guard coming over from the Patriots. Now, center should be Austin Blythe, formerly of the Rams. They did draft Creed Humphrey, the second rounder out of Oklahoma. And Laurent du- Duvernay-Tardif did not play last season. Remember, he's a doctor. Did some great work during the lockout. I mean, during the, his opt-out. Uh, really, they're glad to have him back at right guard. And then right tackle should be Mike Remmers. So, just based on last season, they're going to have four offensive line changes but all of them at a minimum of no no worse and probably upgrades, a, a big upgrade at left tackle. Uh, I think uh, Eric Fisher, remember, he, he tore his Achilles. Eric, Eric Fisher now is with the Colts. He's 30 years old. Joe Tooney is an absolute star at guard. Center will have to see. Du- Duvernay Tardif is one of the better guards in the NFL, probably a top 15 guard. So overall, Pharrell, from what we saw in the Super Bowl, which was atrocious in terms of protection, that's by the wayside, and also, of course, Mahomes now will be moving better, and that's the key. Well, I think that, uh, obviously, those injuries before the Super Bowl killed that uh, you know, cohesion up front, and their line was patchwork, and it was terrible, and you talk about atrocious. Uh, the, the guy was running for his life with a broken toe in the Super Bowl, and that's why they lost the Super Bowl. Their offense wasn't moving downfield. It was running backwards every time they snapped the ball to him. And you got to give credit, uh, I think, to uh, the job Bowles did and the job uh, the Buccaneers did. Uh, Defensively, they ruined the Chiefs in that game. But I got to tell you, for the uh, turnaround, the job that front office did to get this line where it is now, and even the draft of that kid, uh, and to get the doctor back, we already know he's a great player, and he was saving lives during COVID. Yep. They look ferocious up front now. I mean, if I'm in the AFC, I am scared to death of this team because they're already loaded, and now they got an offensive line, which makes them flat-out dangerous. The one thing, though, that does worry me, opposite Tyree Kill, probably going to meet the Mikko Hardman, a second round of 19. He hasn't been consistent enough yet. He replaces Sammy Watkins, who's in Baltimore. He's got a one-year, $5 million deal with the Ravens. Uh, they have very little depth. So if Tyree Kill were to suffer an injury, they are, they got major issues at receiver. Demarcus Robinson's an okay back, good, good special teams player, but this will be a problem. So that's one thing as you and I get closer to training camp, and we'll, we'll talk about and we'll break it down about what the top issues for each team are going into training camp. That, to me, for the Chiefs is this. Can Mikko Harmon in his third year have a breakout season? And what happens uh, if one of those guys gets hurt, Hill or Harmon? Because right now, to me, I don't see enough depth there at the wide receiver position. 
Here's their problem. It's defensively now that Frank Clark today has been charged with a felony uh, for the Uzi in his uh, June 20th arrest uh, where they found an Uzi in his car. And he said it was his security uh, details uh, weapon. And they're not falling for that. The Chiefs star defensive end who they paid a ton of money to has been charged with possession of an assault weapon and faces three years in prison. TMZ is reporting that late this afternoon. What do you think of that? And by the way, with that news, you're looking at the likely suspension if this turns out to be true. We, we know we've talked about this situation before, but if, if, if the charges are true, you're looking at a suspension, even if he avoids jail, and that's going to be crushing. Uh, now they, do, they did sign Jaron Reed, formerly of the Seahawks, as a good football player, but, that, uh, but he's more of an interior player. Frank Clark is a defensive end. That would be devastating. Chris Jones, obviously, is terrific. But losing Frank Clark, potentially, will be devastating for the Super Bowl hopes. There's no question about it. I mean, he's their best uh, player. I think Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark are their two best players, in my opinion. And you lose him, no matter what, he's got nothing but problems. Absolutely nothing but problems. Now he has to face uh, the courts, judges, lawyers. It's a nightmare. The police, the media, it's a disaster for the Chiefs and for Frank Clark, uh, as sure as I'm sitting here. All right, let's talk about NFL bounce-back candidates. We're going to do this later as well on Coast to Coast with Carver High and I, but I want to get your opinion on these. CBS ranked their top bounce-back player candidates for this season, and uh, I couldn't agree uh, with this list more from the standpoint of last night I was talking to Andy Baskin in Cleveland from the fan about Odell Beckham. I thought Odell Beckham... Adam was playing great football for the Browns up till the point when he blew out the knee. I thought he was carrying that offense with, uh, you know, in regards to their passing game. I mean, Baker was hitting him left and right. The guy was busting plays. He was doing everything. And then he blew out his knee. It was a legit injury. I hold nothing against Odell Beckham. I think he's fantastic when he's healthy. And I think he'll have a huge year. Yeah, look, I know some people – they wonder about the chemistry between Mayfield and, and Beckham, sort of inconsistent, but they miss his explosives downfield. They, they had no depth of, at the outside receiver position. Odell Beckham's got three years left on his contract. Uh, his salary this season's fully guaranteed, so he's definitely going to be here. They need him. Uh, my understanding is he looked pretty good in their offseason program. You get him back now, you don't have to play Jarvis Landry uh, on the outside as much. I know they like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a six-rounder last year who got pressed into service. But there's still going to be more of what we call 12 personnel. They're going to be more of a two-tight-end offense. You and I talked about the great job Kevin Stefanski did and his staff on offense of managing Baker Mayfield really well. They have a great run game between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's not going to change, but what they need is those explosive plays from Odell Beckham Jr. downfield. I would agree with your assessment there. I, I When I look at those rankings, I I like them putting CBS putting Odell Beckham number one. I probably would have had if, if we're talking about guys who would bounce back. Now it's like Christian McCaffrey's obvious. He had an ACL injury. To me, it's not even worth discussing. Okay. Saquon Barkley, I mean, but McCaffrey didn't have an ACL injury. He had a, he had a, he had a serious injury which knocked him out for several weeks. But the guy had an ACL injury was Saquon Barkley. This is the problem here. It wasn't just an ACL. He, there was other damage to that knee. We don't know if he's going to be quite the same. Like you're saying, he's a bounce back candidate, but without seeing him in. Tr- we, we, didn't, we don't know a lot about him from the offseason program. The Giants do need him. Dave Gettleman, who I've criticized a lot, but Gettleman had his best offseason as a general manager for the Giants. I thought he dressed a lot, as much as he possibly could. 
But Barkley is their run game. They need him back. He's a storyline for training camp. He's clearly in the National Football League, a top 10, top 15 storyline. Uh, Julio Jones, I don't know that he bounces back. It's not about the talent with Julio Jones, who, who they have at number three. It's the injury history. That When you're 32 years old, right, you're almost done pretty much in the National Football League. Yeah, he's playing this year and probably one more. Right now, there are only five wide receivers under contract at 33 year, years old or older, okay? One of them is Andre Roberts, who's a really good special teams returner. He's now with the Texans. So there's a reason why these guys don't last because of the lower body injuries. Ankle, hamstring, knee. Oh, he had soft tissue injuries last season. So I don't know that Julio Jones bounces back. It, to me, it's just the injury history. But the one to watch is number six with Carson Wentz. And can he bounce back after getting benched last season? Now he's back with Frank Reich, who's the head coach of the Colts for all, as you know. Reich has been a mentor for him for the two years that they worked together in 2016 and 2017 with Philly. Now they're in Indy together. This better be his savior because Carson Wentz regressed last season. I know there were issues with the offensive line, the receiver core, uh, his issues with the head coach, the former head coach, Doug Peterson. I get all that. He's changing teams. This is what he wanted. The Eagles didn't want to do this. They, they gave in and gave Carson Wentz what he wanted, a trade. Now he's got to prove himself. And this, to me, is the question mark, one of the top five question marks going to the 2021 training camp. Can Carson Wentz for all resuscitate his career? You know, if I were to put someone at the top of the list, I'd actually put Dak Prescott there. I think he's going to go off. He'll bounce back because he's back. He's back from that that dislocation and fracture and dislocation of that ankle. He's back, and he did some good things, by the way, in OTAs. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, number ten. It's not a question whether he bounce back. Can he keep the job? That's the bigger question and stave off Trey, Trey Lance, their first-round pick. So, to me, Jimmy Caroppolo's got to play exceptional football and not get hurt for him to keep the starting job all season. All right, Adam, great stuff. I can't wait to see how all these guys play, especially Barkley. There's some people I saw a Bleacher Report about Barkley being, you know, their worst draft pick in, like, 10 years. I'm like, wait a minute, the worst draft pick ever? We'll see if he can come back on the field. A lot of people wonder if he's going to be back week one or at training camp, the whole deal. Uh, that's going to be crazy. Have a great weekend, Adam. You too. Thank you. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com We talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes with uh, Adam Kaplan. Why don't we hear from Mahomes out in Tahoe about his toe jam? Yes, he is out there playing in the big uh, pro-am, of course. Patrick Mahomes says that the toe feels great. Camp's only a few weeks away. Here he is on the NFL Network. In terms of your situation, uh, the toe surgery, how are you feeling? Uh, Obviously good enough for golf, good enough for football. 
Oh yeah, it, we, the snow's feeling great. Um, I'm, I'm out here uh, playing golf, being able to walk around the course. I've been running, cutting, jumping, throwing, doing it all. So I'm just excited to get back to training camp and have another chance to make a run at it and try to try to win the Super Bowl this year. So, uh, Carver, how do you think that uh, with that offensive line that they have basically bought and paid for and getting the doctor back and, and what they've done with Tooney and everything else and Brown, how dangerous is that football team in terms of getting in the way of your bills? Uh, it's super dangerous. I mean, they are still, in my eyes, the best team in the AFC. There's no doubt about it. And, and health is the key. If Mahomes is going to stay healthy, and that's why you're paying all those guys all that money, and you went out and got those guys, so that Mahomes doesn't get as much heat on him this, this year as he did last year, and he's not hobbling around at the Super Bowl like he did against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So if he's healthy and, and their key guys stay healthy, they're absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Because the window is small. I know they like to run around, Scotty, and do the whole, you know, we're going to win six, seven, and eight, and all that stuff. That, that's not realistic. The window is small in the NFL because eventually more and more guys got to get paid. So they still have a good chunk of the guys that they've won with the last couple years, and now's the time that they have to cash in. Now, that, that's just the way that I look at it with the Chiefs. And then the Clark arrest, uh, and he's facing three years in prison right. now with the Uzi. That news broke this afternoon. Uh, that obviously <laughs> hurts them. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and we, and we, I know we had a laugh with it a couple weeks ago. I mean, what's the guy doing with the Uzi in his car? I mean, Frank, honestly, uh, calm down, dude. And now he's going to face some serious charges for it. I also have for you today, you mentioned my Bills, ranking the teams that have never won a Super Bowl and who has the best chance to possibly do it this year out of all those teams. And who's at the top, Scotty? The Buffalo Bills right there. Number two, Cleveland, Tennessee, Arizona, Minnesota, the Chargers. Uh, let's forget these other teams. They're not winning the Super Bowl. Legitimately, on this list of teams that have never won the Super Bowl, is there anybody else outside of Buffalo that you think can win this year? I mean, if I had to play this game and, you know, roll the dice and throw a name out there that – uh, a long shot that could, if they could ever get their act together, they have the talent, they have everything, they have the defense, they have a quarterback that can actually get it done, even though he never has. Uh, he makes tons of money and he puts up huge numbers. It's amazing to me that he can't convert it into uh, playoff success, but I would say the Minnesota Vikings. Wow, Captain Cousins. And the Minnesota Vikings, no, I, I get you. They, they do have pieces all over the place. So uh, we'll see what happens there. You guys talked about the bounce-back candidates, you and Adam. Here is that list, the complete list from CBS. They had Odell Beckham at the top of it, as you mentioned. You have Carson Wentz in there. You have Hunter. You have uh, Mixon, Barkley, Dak Prescott, McCaffrey. I know that you were high on Prescott there. It, you know... I like Bosa a lot on this list, to be quite honest with you, because I thought the Niners were such a different team when they lost all those pieces on that defensive line. Forget Jimmy Garoppolo. He stinks. Not having Bosa, not having uh, Buckner, all those guys, DeForest Buckner, all those guys they had in the middle, having Bosa back I think is going to be huge for them, Scotty. Yeah, I'm willing to agree with you there for sure. I would go Dak Prescott, uh, OBJ, Bosa, McCaffrey, 
uh, Jones uh, in terms of, I think they're going to showcase Jones in, in Smashville. And those would be my top five. The rest of them, uh, I don't think uh, matter to me. I think Garoppolo will get injured again like he always does. I agree with Adam that he should worry about his job, not even is he going to have a big year. Uh, is this kid, Lance, going to take his job? I think that's inevitable. So I think he's doomed. Uh, I'm worried about Barkley, too. We don't know what to believe. You never hear anything. I know the Giants have to be concerned about him. But I'll tell you what. The guy, McCaffrey, I know he had this huge injury, whatever, but McCaffrey's a badass. That guy's a great player, and they literally run the entire football team through him. Offense, defense, everything. Nothing matters except him on that team. They talk about all this other stuff. The reality is Sam Darnold, that's not a savior. The savior is McCaffrey being healthy and doing his thing because he's an absolute stud. No, he absolutely is, and, and they need him to bounce back. There's no doubt. But the running backs with lower body injuries, McCaffrey and Barkley, very dicey situation. We'll see how far they come all the way back. All right, we have two enormous soccer matches this weekend. I mean, you talk about heavy hitter action. Brazil and Argentina on Saturday, England and Italy on Sunday. Let's start with the Copa, Scotty. Argentina and Brazil, Saturday night, the final. Argentina on the 90-minute line, plus 270. Brazil, plus 105 on the 90-minute line, plus 200 if you think they're going to go beyond 90 minutes. I'll even give you the prop vote if you want a little bit. Uh, I got a bigger one for the Euro game, but how about Messi, plus 195 to score in this Copa final tomorrow night. Anytime goal scorer for Messi, plus 195, and Neymar, plus 150. Give me the two big guns with the prop boat at the Copa tomorrow night, Sky. I don't even care who wins. I'm just going to bet those two guys to score. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, explain to me, though, the game's in Brazil. Why is that line like that in the 90 at 270 for Brazil and 105 for Argentina? Uh, you're kidding, right, that Brazil's not favored in this game? Uh, Brazil is favored. Let me go back here and, and punch that up on. You just showed plus two seventy for the home. Uh, yeah, and, plus, and Argentina plus one hundred five. Plus one hundred five. What? Yeah, plus one hundred five for Brazil. Brazil is plus one hundred five on the ninety-minute line, and Argentina is plus two seventy. There you go. So Brazil is the favorite at home tomorrow night. Well, that's obviously what I would think. That's exactly what I would think. I'm like, uh, they, they're obviously favored, and um, how are they not the home team? No, they are the home team. I I know. I don't know why that has uh, that up there, but Brazil plus so 105. They are the favorite me. in the night. It's yes, backwards. it's backwards. All right, so For, fair enough. Graphic, just the home. And I the don't care. Part. That 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 was my confusion. All right, so my confusion was how in the hell are they plus 270 playing in Brazil? Christ, I'll jump on that right now. Even though I'm on now, obviously it's the other way around. So now that we know that it's the other way around, I am still on Argentina. Because I want Messi to win uh, a big tournament for the first time ever with the big club. The guys won every tournament in the world except the World Cup or the Copa. Uh, he's never done anything with Argentina except lose. And Maradona gets all the love. And Messi, uh, people love Messi now. I, I, I understand their love affair with Maradona. He's gone. God rest his soul. But the, the guy was a fiend. He was such a partier. The guy did everything, blow, weed, women, you name it. This guy, Messi's like an angel sent from heaven. I think he's a better player than Maradona, hands down. I really do. And I think the guy deserves a big championship. I want to see him win. 
I think they're going to have their problems. I think one of the big uh, differences for this game for me, Mike, is I think the the ref will be on the take for Brazil in this game in in Brazil. <laughs> I really do. No Corruption fans, at though, the highest level. I believe, even though it's down there, they're not having fans at these Copa games, so that is going to play a big factor in it as well. Now on Sunday we have the Euro final. We've spent a lot of time this week on how England got to this game with the penalty call in extra time against Denmark in the semis. England, of course, at home. This game is at Wembley, the final. In fact, your boy Cialini from Italy said it was predictable they'd be here. They played six of their seven games at Wembley for a Euro that was supposed to be played all throughout Europe this year. There was not one designated home country. It is wild that they have done that. Italy, 90-minute line, plus 200. The draw for 90 minutes, plus 190. England, 90 minutes, plus 160. Who do you think is going to take it home on Sunday? Well, I think this is the corruption in the highest order of UEFA. I think that they got to play their entire Euro in Wembley Stadium is is, is bullshack. I thought the call with Sterling was bullshack. I think the uh, ref is, is bullshack. I think the VAR is bullshack. I think the whole thing was fixed so that England would win the Euro at home at Wembley Stadium. I've never smelled corruption. Uh, it smells like bratwurst on the grill. It's so powerful. Uh, honestly, I think the whole thing is dirty. Uh, just like uh, UEFA has been busted in the past with the corruption at the highest levels of that organization with guys in prison because they're so corrupt. I think the semifinal was corrupt. I think... England's corrupt. I think the whole thing's dirty. I'm rooting for Italy. I hope England, I hope the entire team, uh, I hope their hamstrings fall off. I hope uh, their goalie (laughs) has a stroke. I hope their coach keels over and dies on the sideline and has an aneurysm. I'm on Italy. I think that that semifinal was a disgrace to mankind and the queen. Screw her too. I mean it. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm rooting for Italy. I'm going to watch the entire game completely naked because if Italy wins, I'm getting laid. Are we on the air? That's that's really what it's all Check about at the end two. of the day. Uh, I am going to get the prop boat out for you for the Euro final on Sunday. Let's take a look at what we have. How about both teams to score? I love this one. Plus 108. Both teams to score. How about Harry Kane to score, plus 185? Mobley to score, plus 250 for Italy. Sterling, plus 340 to score for England. And now if you wanted to bet, Scotty, just the team to lift the cup, that means doesn't matter if it's 90 minutes, extra time, penalties. You could play Italy at plus 106. You could play England at minus 124. I love that both teams to score at plus 108. I hope Kane and Sterling are kidnapped and driven to Yugoslavia <laughs> and that they miss the game and are duct taped in the back seat of a Fiat and driven off a cliff. Honest to God, I, I am, I'm done with it. I, the whole thing smells so bad. It's like a landfill. Well, it smells look, like one of at least you'll be watching. At least you'll be watching the game naked. Uh, that's the main thing. When you watch England and Italy naked for the Euro final, on Sunday. We, before we get out of here, we have to play this from early this morning. Also across the pond at the Scottish Open, Rory and John Rahm getting ready to tee off at the 10th tee box. And Scotty, somebody from the crowd decided they wanted Show to it. get involved. Let's take a look Show this morning it. at the Scottish Open. Watch this. Here's Rory and John. They're getting ready. Here watch comes. this guy. 
Look at this guy. Here comes your boy. Let me get your head cover. Wait, hold on. I need your five iron, too. Uh, yep, that's the one I want. Let me just keep staring. Look at Rory. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, how much of a wussy Rory. is Rory and his caddy to not go after oh, yeah, this just guy at him. beat his ass? Like, look at him looking, looking around, now they're looking like, for the cops. Anybody want to do anything? Anybody want to do anything? <laughs> how embarrassing now, there's a, those three. That none of them were mad a enough to version. go over and give the guy the business. There's a longer version where the guy puts the head cover on the tee box and he's about to tee off Rory's head cover and then Rom's caddy comes in. Can we get some security? Finally, somebody steps up. Amazing performance today at the Scottish Open. I got to tell you, I, I mean, I, Rory, like, how soft are you, bro? I would have, like, thrown my entire bag of clubs at the guy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, I refuse to show the John Deere leaderboard, <laughs> so I'm going to show the Scottish Open leaderboard. Can we show the uh, the guys on top there? Here we go, the Scottish Open, Carver Yes. Thomas Dietrich is- from Germany on top. Jack Sr. and John Rahm all tied for the lead. Lee Westwood is in the mix. J- uh, Justin Thomas and Ian Poulter, they're only a couple shots back as well. Jack Sr., Still a tide for the top. Look out for Rom this weekend. Give me Rom and Westwood uh, in the final pairing. Uh, Djokovic reaches his seventh Wimbledon final. He'll face Matteo Berrettini. The only thing that matters there is uh, Berrettini's got that hot slice that he's dating. That chick on the on the, yeah. on the side. Oh, my God. That Tom Janovich chick. Oh, my God. I'm rooting for him. Joker <laughs> will win. I wouldn't watch that if you paid me. You can have it. Have your lawn and tennis uh, Sunday morning. Go ahead. I'll be playing basketball like a man. Ash Barty and uh, Pliskova in the women's final tomorrow. Chunky will win. Bud Light signs Nikita Kucherov to an endorsement deal after that topless beer-chugging press conference after winning the cup. Five-star edge rusher Jeremiah Alexander commits to Alabama. Well, of course, everyone goes to Alabama. Dana White says he won as much as $7 million in blackjack in one night. They're going to make a movie about him next, ESPN, a 30 for 30 on Dana playing blackjack. Passenger <laughs> who refused seven requests to wear a mask on a flight fined $10,500. How do you like that, Bill? Indiana woman dies after tearing her artery on a roller coaster. Do we have footage of that? <laughs> no? All right. No. Christina Hawk reveals she smoked psychedelic toad venom and says it reset her brain. Carver, what? can you give me some toad venom and a pipe? What? A woman eats 50 chili dogs in 22 minutes in a Michigan bar. I bet she's a real hottie. Sean McDonough says it was awkward working with John Gruden. <laughs> I don't even care anymore after that. I'm thinking of the girl with the chili dogs. And Ritz says the Internet is speechless after explaining the reason behind the cracker shape. The edges on the cracker are supposed to cut cheese. I do want to say that I eat tons of Ritz crackers. They are awesome. See you tonight on the bench. 
expert perspectives and actionable insights 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the winning edge. What are you going to do? Not listen? Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.